0: 7, The Sovereignty of God. With me today is Pastor Aaron Case, Pastor Jonathan Mitchell, and Pastor Gary Singleton. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to Thank be you. here. Gary, Thanks. I'm sorry that's I funny. messed your name up.
1: Uh, that's fine. <laughs>
0: I've only read it now eight times in a <laughs> row, but I messed it up. So welcome. Glad you're here today. And we are covering a topic today um, that is difficult, to say yeah. the least. Um, And we want to make you aware that we are doing everything that we can to point you to Scripture. And that's our ultimate goal in all of this. And so we're going to start off um, talking about sovereignty with some misunderstandings or misconceptions about that and kind of lead toward what we are going to cover today.
2: Yeah, yeah, Bobby, It's, it's one of the most assuring, but also difficult subjects for us in so many ways and on so many levels. I, I think just as a church at Eden Chapel, there has really been nothing that has been more difficult for people who've come in or more divisive in many ways than this topic, um, because we as people and in our flesh, we want to have control And we want to always have our say in everything and whenever there is a power above us that goes against directly against the spirit of the age and so so many people uh, when they hear God's sovereignty uh, rather than going to the scriptures they think of a of a puppet master they think of someone um, who's just determining everything there is no choice Um, and and there's a lot of misconceptions when in reality, um, I believe it was Spurgeon who said that the sovereignty of God is the pillow that I lay my head on at night. Um, it's what I trust in. So, so I, I'm really looking forward to today and this episode because my prayer is where there has been so much division within the church. I mean, I cannot tell you how many And I say this with with tears in my eyes, how many difficulties and relationships I've had with people I've loved. We've seen go um, just because of the grasp that was not able to be to be made on this topic. And and so we're very sensitive to it. But at the same time, above all, we want to lead people to a biblical definition. So they're free to understand God truly as he is.
0: Yeah, definitely.
3: yeah, I think that's the point is helping each other, knowing that we're still growing, still learning, still developing our own understanding according to scripture. And so as we talk about this subject, we want to continue to s- press ourselves in the scripture, point each other to scripture, and hopefully build some unity around such a huge subject because we want to keep going back to things we just kind of continue to say every week, but build what we believe because God's word says it. And so I think that's our hope and why we're doing this. We're not, we're certainly not doing this to be divisive. Um, we want to gather some unity, um, here around this subject.
0: Thank you for that. And so let's, let's start right off. What, what does sovereignty mean or what does this phrase, the sovereignty of God, what does that mean or define sovereignty? Start us out at the bottom here so we can build up on it?
3: I think simply it would be that God is in control of all things and he's ruler over it all. I think that would be my just most basic definition for what I could give over Mm -hmm. all things.
0: So he has power, authority, wisdom over his
2: creation. Whatever that looks like. Supreme Mm -hmm. power or authority. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Yeah.
0: All right, so Today we've kind of broken down the sovereignty into three places and that's going to be uh, God's sovereignty over creation, God's sovereignty over salvation, and God's sovereignty over the affairs of men. And so we're going to kind of hit those and they will intertwine. Um, so you may hear us going back and forth between them, um, but that's kind of the order we're going to take a look at today. And so let's start off talking about God's sovereignty over creation.
2: Well, I think, I think when you talk about uh, God's sovereignty and creation, we think about literally in the beginning, right? let us We begin at the very beginning of the book, and we look at Genesis 1. And we'll just read uh, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So, so we look at the awesome and supreme power of God in creation, right? He said, he spoke, let there be light. And and the beauty of that was there was light, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it just, it doesn't go above that. God who operates outside of space and time, who is eternal, there is no beginning to our God. He's always been. And and here he is moving and operating
3: in creation. And he speaks and it comes to be. And that's the important thing there is Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. So God is there. And then God, just like Aaron said, speaks. And whatever he speaks comes to pass, which is pretty amazing. Which I think would is a theme that you'll see throughout. The word of God throughout history as God works through his word Uh, and so in the beginning God uh, existing before time began before the world was ever formed uh, he was there eternally existing
0: yeah and and we could go through here and find tons of verses um, where we have that sovereignty over creation and we're good with that a lot of people or that's the easy one we are like yeah God's in control he was here in the beginning uh, we don't even know when the beginning was, but he was here and he was um, a part of uh, the plagues when they were coming on Egypt and you know all kinds of different scenarios there. We are great with God being sovereign over creation.
3: yeah most yeah most people are most most Christians would say, yeah yeah, God's in control in in that aspect. how it kind of comes to pass and maybe how they'd understand that is interesting. and I think it's worth maybe exploring a little bit is, okay, so how, how God works, how he says he works, um, how the universe, universe came to, to be, uh, by the word of his power, then we we can look at that. And I think it's important to understand how we were created, how this earth was formed and how it was populated and how oceans were formed and fish and were put in the sea and birds in the air. How that how, I think that's important to, to consider God being in control of that and how he revealed that it happened.
2: Well, I think, I think the beauty of where we rest in that is understanding the character of God, right? Like understanding that he is good, that he is righteous, that he is holy, thrice holy, right? Like he is perfect. So we look at his creation, not questioning so much as to his motives or his ways, We're free from that because we understand his character. What we can then do is trust what happens in his creation, that it was created for his glory and our good.
3: That's good.
0: So just a few examples I think that we could give out, because we all kind of probably have some different verses of where we're seeing God's sovereignty in creation. One of them that I pulled up came from Luke, and it's talking about, um, when God's calling his disciples and he's he's there and he tells the disciple to put the net on a certain side. And, you know, it didn't just happen that there were mounds of fish hanging out on one side of the boat and not the other. Mm-hmm. Okay, God's sovereignty over his creation allowed him to say, put that on that side of the boat and then allowed him to use his sovereignty over creation to... Um, teach. Use that opportunity to teach, have a teaching moment there for his disciples. And that's just one. And I'm sure we can come up with a few others. So where we see that happening. And again, our comfort level with that is very high. Of course, God would do that because God has control of that.
2: Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's easy to, to pray for God, you know, just like this past week. I know these, these are coming out much later because we're recording them when we are, but, you know, we were having a work day here at the church and we were praying for good weather, and it looked really awful. Uh, it looked like the entire morning was like yellow on the radar. And we came, and what was amazing was um, God was so good to us. We got done, the weather was perfect. It wasn't cold, it was just, it was just perfect. And the minute the last of us who were here got to talking, done talking, um, all the donuts were finished, um, then we got up into our cars and the drops started coming. And so we would not say, man, we really timed that well. We would right. say, thank you, Lord, for being merciful on us. Like, you didn't have to give us that, but you did, and we praise you for it.
3: Amen. That's good. So what, what would you say, then, is the point of God revealing that he created the way that he did? Like, what, wh- why is it so important that we understand okay, God spoke, it's in what appears to be six literal days, and he rests the seventh. Why is it so important that he did what he did? Does it explain something about his sovereignty? I mean, what, what would we say to that?
1: I'd say it's for his glory. It's all for his glory and to fulfill his purposes and, and for our good. Um, just some working definitions I got, um, uh, God maintains and keeps all things that exist according to how he created them. Colossians one seventeen, And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. In Christ things continue to exist or endure. Um, they uh, God holds it all in his hands and it's all for his glory to fulfill his purpose. Um, I, I, I if Christ were to cease holding all things, everything in the universe would cease to exist except for God.
3: Yeah,
1: that's good. So um, I think the way he uh, spoke creation into existence was the beginning of God letting us know that he is God. Hmm. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is, it's, a, it's to fulfill his purposes.
2: Well, you, think, you see him as a sustainer, right? You, you see him as caring for the sparrow, you know, knowing when each one drops and just looking at the intricate details of his creation, you know, like, like the scales on a fish, the way it breathes with its gills, the way, you know, just the different creatures are created, the way our mountains are formed and how they look when you come over Ford hills we've talked about so many times, like I remember moving down here and I, I remember saying, I cannot imagine ever taking that for granted. Yeah. uh you come over and you just see this beautiful skyline and you and because our eyes have been opened to the glory of God, we think, yes, Lord, and pray and we praise his name because we know how good he is like he not only did he create those things for our enjoyment, but also to show his power yeah. and how he has condescended in a way to reveal himself to us, though he did not have to. So, so I guess we see his mercy. We see his sustaining heart. We see his love. We see his grace. We just see everything about who he is. And the amazing part is, is just how merciful and beautiful our God is.
3: Yeah. I, I see something that's pretty cool just once again how he creates because the way he speaks and so he speaks it happens Mm -hmm. and I think from the beginning God's teaching us to trust his word trust Mm -hmm. trust in his power and trust how wonderfully glorious he really is because when he speaks whatever he speaks listens because this as we say a lot is God's world Mm -hmm. and so when when we look and you know God, God says let there be light and there was light you know, and when, when God, you know, says that he comes together with himself and says, let, let us make man our own image. And he created them male and female. We go, God did that. God spoke and made them male and female mm-hmm. and then said, be fruitful and multiply. God created, ordained it, designed it this way. And from the very beginning, we're learning to trust God's word, which is going to be a really important part, you know, come you know, for us 2,000 years ago <laughs> and what we see and how, how God works in the, in the universe.
0: I think for me personally, if you take a look at like the macro picture of it and see the creator of a universe and the creator of a world and like you were saying, Aaron, the mountains and all of these huge things and yet uh, his ability to love and um, provide mercy and grace for his greatest creation and that was us. I think that that's very humbling. Um, among all of those huge things that uh, are a testament to how awesome he is, he gives us the ability with our voices to do the same thing, to be able to um, worship and praise him and, and tell others about him. And I, I, think, I think that's the biggest thing that kind of hits me yeah. when we're talking about that.
2: Yeah. Well, just, just to think about how we're fearfully, wonderfully made and how we're knit together in our mother's womb, that for a God who who speaks a universe into existence, speaks it into existence to say that I take this time on you, yeah. that, that I'm at this much in detail within who you are and your creation and in your being. I mean, if that does not humble you, and just send you to your knees to praise I don't know what will because that that is someone who is completely other than caring for a speck of dust and giving it detail and creating it in not just detail but in his own image
3: what I what I think I really learned from God being sovereign in creation is well psalm 115 our God is in the heavens he does all that he pleases and so he he does what he wants to do. And so what we begin learning is the mountains are there because God wants them to be there. God, God said to be there, you know, the, as we learn in Job, like the ocean comes as far as it comes because God said, stop right there. And so what, what we begin to learn is like creation is listening to God. And, uh, you know, I, I think about, um, the, the two documentaries we watched, uh, what are they called? Why, why can't I, they're not come to my uh head? Oh, my, Don't look at me. I forgot. Oh, my goodness. Um If you wouldn't have asked. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's <laughs> all gone. At but just Gordon Wilson. Yes, I'll Gordon Wilson's oh, documentaries um of creation in land and in water to see, like, so I think he asked the question, why, so why does the well do this? <laughs> because God made it. God created it to do that. It's like the gospel something. It's, uh Oh, my goodness. The Riot and the yeah, Dance. Yeah, The Riot and the That's Dance. It. What an <laughs> awesome... Out. Yes, what an awesome... What an awesome title. Oh, but, but yeah, so... So, creation is doing it. I think RC's Sproul says that, that mud is just water and dirt obeying God. <laughs> I, I, like, I love that. I love that idea. And so, we're learning through creation. you know, like, as you said, Bobby, God is in control and creation's listening. listening. Um, now, obviously there's some sin rebellion that has dealt with and, and we'll get into that. But at, at the ultimate level, God is in control and he's never been out of control and he's never been anxious going, what am I going to do? Um, and so I think it's what we learn by looking at creation is we have a God who's worthy of our trust because we know he's sovereign over it all.
1: Just to reiterate what my brothers are saying that, um, that song so will i whenever i hear that song it just makes me think of how small we we uh, here are on this earth i mean we're just like a little speck of dust in this universe and the lord spoke billions of stars into existence and if uh the stars will worship so will I. and I, i just think of uh you know that is um, the purpose in that is to worship, you know, to glorify God, to, to give him all the glory. And that's, um, and that's what, that's, you know, that's what we are to do.
2: Well, and I think one of our favorite stories in regards to that, what, which I think has come up on the podcast before is, um, Jesus asleep on the boat, Mm -hmm. right? And And his disciples, uh, Veteran fishermen who have seen a storm or two, I'd imagine, um, are freaking out and rightfully so. And they come down and they're like, "Do you not care that we perish?" You know, Jesus is taking a nap. So naps are biblical, and we praise God for that. <laughs> Amen. And, and we, yes, every good and perfect gift. Yes. But we, but we see Jesus sleeping, and he raises up, and just like, just like a boss, is like, "Peace be still." And it just goes back to chilling and everything, like the sea becomes like glass, right? Yeah. And after that, they become more afraid than they were of the storm because they, they caught a glimpse of the sovereign one was in the boat with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, thinking of this whole theme of God creating for his own glory, we, we think that all of those things, the reason why Jesus could rest is because the Lord was in control, right? Even in the midst of the storm, I know that's a whole, you're not David, we got to be careful there message. But at the same time, like in the midst of our storms, the re- this is the reason why the Christian relaxes because it's not only in creation, but in all the affairs of men, as we'll get into later, God is sovereign. He's working these things out for our good. And as Jesus said, his own glory.
0: Yeah, amen.
2: So, let's move on.
0: Let's head towards our next point. Uh, And like I said, these may circle back around and intertwine at any time, but uh, the next one that we have is God's sovereignty over salvation. And uh, I feel like if we're going to run into a spot where arguments are going to arise, that this is it. And like I said when we started this thing, our goal is to always point to the Scripture and to bring God glory. And so as we discuss this, that is what you are going to hear. And so gentlemen, let's let's talk about God's sovereignty over salvation.
2: Well I think I think there's two basic thought processes that go into salvation. There's two two different modes of thoughts and belief. There is what's known as synergism and monergism, where here at Eden Chapel, what we would say is, if you're on either side, you're welcome here. We love you. We're not going to kick you out of the kingdom. And, and we want to reiterate where we began today. There has been far too much division over this. And we do believe very strongly in what we teach here, and we're going to teach it. But at the same time, we're not going to call you a heretic like has happened so many times and there's so much unkindness among brothers and sisters in Christ and there's division where there doesn't need to be any But to go back to our definitions that I think will be helpful for us, I would say 90% of the church falls in the camp of synergism, which means basically you and God are working together. And that is what brings about salvation. And of course, Here, we would be in more of a minority camp, which has not always been the case, but especially in our time, and we would consider ourselves monergists, where we would say, no, salvation is a complete working from beginning to end of God alone for his glory alone. And so understanding that's what we're working with, and that's where we're coming from, will I think help set the table for where we go in this topic.
3: So... Aaron, you can answer the question, what do we bring to the table in regards to salvation? What would we say?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Only the sin that makes it necessary.
3: Yeah. I think that's probably the good place to start. So uh, we believe that according to Genesis three, man, I mean, as we've discussed in this podcast, we've man sinned and by one man's sin, all have fallen. And I mean, Romans five makes that clear. Romans three makes that clear. None is righteous. No, not one. No one does good. No one seeks for God, uh, which is something we were talking about beforehand. You know, no one is seeking God. We are active rebels against him. And so the only thing we bring to the table is the sin, which makes salvation necessary. And so that leads to where we understand, okay, this this is all of God's work. This is as we've been talking about in our youth, in order to be saved, it is God's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. And we know this according to scripture alone. And so we come from this camp, um, not because, you know, really good arguments were made, but we, we truly believe this because we we, we were reading scripture and going, okay, that it certainly seems like that's what the word of God's saying. Um, and I, I say that not trying to be snarky at all, because I've been on the other side of this thing too. And what I thought about this and life, yeah. and, and, I've, and I've changed personally. And I hated hearing that, like, honestly, like, oh, so you read the Bible and I don't. I'm not, <laughs> we're not saying that. We're saying we want to base what we believe on scripture. This is what the conclusion we've come to from it is what scripture seems to make pretty clear uh, I mean, very clear is we're dead in our trespasses and sins and dead people do dead people things. Right. And so, <laughs> uh, so I can't add anything, um, by, by work, by even faith to, to help God save me. Right. There's nothing I can add to it.
1: And I'll just add scripture that Romans three, uh, verses 10, um, through, um, 15. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood in the past are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known there is no fear of god before their eyes that's all of us before salvation
2: yeah but i've heard (laughs) i've heard people even even in the midst of the the truths that you gary literally read from scripture and johnny what you're referring to say well that doesn't really mean dead or you know not really all people but that's literally, you just read from the book right there, right? Like Amen. to say that, well, no, I did, or I, I was seeking after God, or I something is to deny God glory for what he purchased by his son's blood on the cross, right? Amen. So, so we, need, we need to, even when it's painful, and I get it. Listen, I, we were talking at the prep for this podcast of how painful of a death this was for many of us as we fought, um, but ultimately again, no disrespect to anyone I know all of our brothers would say they get their truth from scripture, but we were overwhelmed by the truth of what God was revealing to us in sacred scripture
0: yeah i I completely agree, and I was going to actually say what you just said you know in our discussion for prep for this um, it was it was a topic of conversation that we've all come from uh, almost a humanistic. I, I was in that search. Uh, but what our conclusion was is that thank God that we weren't the searching that, because if we were searching, we weren't going to find it. There was literally nothing we can do to find it. Yeah, and, you know, coming to that realization um, brings apart some humility yeah. and just thankfulness um, because there's nothing that that any of us could have done to search out an almighty God.
3: Yeah. yeah. Especially being dead in our sin. And so I think that's where we would go to. I think for, for me, you know, I, I knew all the, the hot top, hot, hot topic passages, right. And I'm sure we'll probably go there at some point, but you know, I know Ephesians one and Romans nine, especially, you know, I got those, but what really just like jumped off the page at me, is how happily we will, yeah, everyone basically in the church loves to admit that Israel is God's chosen people. Like, oh yeah, no no problem with that. You know, don't care they didn't choose any other nations. <laughs> but, yeah, Israel's God's chosen people. We don't have any problem with that. That was the God of the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, though, yeah, yeah. He changed, right? Yeah. Um, so I remember reading uh, in my Bible reading plan just one morning, all alone. You know kind of like what we're talking no preconceived notions just kind of reading and studying and in genesis 12 it's just this like random god says to abram hey i'm gonna bring you up out of here you're gonna to go to the land i'm showing you and it says abraham went like abram abram wasn't doing anything that god was like gotta have that guy on my team you know he wasn't doing it. god chose him i remember that being just such like a I remember asking myself, I remember writing in my journal, why don't I struggle with that? Why is that okay? And then from there, God kind of led me to like, because God chose him. And as, as the, as the clay, I'm not going to ask the potter, well, why him and not, not him? Why, why Abram and not any other nation? And that's what really started the, the process for me is God being sovereign in salvation is well, he chose Abram. And Abram is, Abraham, you know, who, when God changes his name, is who Paul uses as the example of faith, faith alone. Romans 4, you know, is just, you know Abraham didn't do anything by works because he would have been able to boast. But he he believed, and God credited it to him as righteousness.
0: Well, and you guys, before we came here today, sent that video, and the, I can't even remember the guy's name, if one of you would like it's to it's James White. Yeah, yeah. James he, White. he made a it hit me like right in the face a great illustration with the sheep and the shepherd and basically all he said was the sheep do not choose their shepherd mm-hmm. they don't choose whose flock they want to be in oh, i'm going to be in this flock today and that flock tomorrow the shepherd says you're in my flock mm-hmm. and you know that's that's kind of what we're talking about here right. is is the shepherd god chose because he's the shepherd, there's there's nothing that we as sheep could have done to say, okay, well, I'm going to go join that flock because he's cool, uh, he's a good shepherd, right? Yeah. You know, he doesn't yank too hard or whatever. But uh,
2: that illustration was just just eye opening. Yeah. Well, and I think I think guys, honestly, before we continue to break it down, I think what I can hear is people saying, well, you know, all people deserve to be chosen. All all people deserve grace and i think if we're not careful if we don't understand the beginning or we we have some misconceived notions about the beginning we'll we'll forget the rest and we'll, we'll get off into a lot of errors which people get into when we think of federal headship we think of adam who was our federal head in the garden failing choosing sin over obedience to a holy god falling and therefore, we all being children of Adam are now born in our sins, hopeless, lost, dead, not seeking after God. And so
3: and deserving the wrath of
2: and God. deserving, mm-hmm. rightfully so, because God is holy. One sin against a holy God is worth eternal punishment. Yeah. Like we do not see God as holy as he is. And we think, oh, well, you know, that person's a good person. Listen. No, we we are wretched and lost and broken rebels against a holy God. We spit in His face with our very existence, with the breath that He gives us to breathe. We blaspheme against Him, and it doesn't matter how good we look in the world's eyes. We are wicked, sinful people, and none of us deserve grace. Not and I, again, it's been brought up before, but but the whole part of and we maybe we'll get into it as well, but the whole. Esau I hated is not the tough part. It's Jacob I loved. Because we know Jacob was a shady dude. But God chose him for his purposes and showed grace to a wretched sinner like him. And and we are here thanking God for
3: that. Yeah, definitely. Right. And what's really foundational to understanding what you just said, Pastor Aaron, is I think what R.C. Sproul said in the holiness of God, which our men are going through right now, <laughs> <laughs> um, is a, as a culture, as a culture, we are, we're surprised by God's justice. We're not surprised by God's grace. Mm-hmm. And that's the big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we walk around thinking that, um, okay, yeah, I might be a little bad, but I'm not as bad as I could be. And heaven would be better if God would let me in, that's what we think of. And so we think, Oh, I'm somehow, you know, I'm worthy of grace, but if you're worthy of grace, it's not grace anymore. And, and that's, that was pretty, uh, foundationally shifting for me. Mm -hmm. I remember reading that on the beach. I've told that story probably many times, but just bawling because I, I remember confessing my sin to God going, God, I, I, I'm more surprised when you show justice, Then when you show grace and may I never be, Mm -hmm. may I never be like that. I want, I want to be awed by grace, not flippant about it. And so he goes into, you know, the, probably my favorite R.C. Sproul quote, but there's no injustice is given by the hand of God. It's either justice or mercy. And when you see it that way, Mm -hmm. when you understand what we actually deserve, then we can start to see, you know, then, okay, when when God chooses, he's giving mercy. You know, he's not, he's not, uh, if he's giving you what you deserve, then you're receiving justice. Amen.
1: Amen. I was just going to, uh, uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Grace is, unmerited favor by God we have done nothing to deserve God's grace yet God in his mercy gifts us his grace and that is his doing it's not our doing we we have nothing in that we have nothing to do with our salvation we have nothing to boast about when we boast we
3: boast about the grace of God that's what we boast about
2: God gets the glory, right? Yeah. yeah.
3: I remember taking our students through Grace Alone and when we were doing our Sola series. And to that point, we were talking about, okay, let's read Ephesians 1. Let's talk about who does what. And I think that was pretty, pretty enlightening for a lot of us. But you see, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So God blesses us in Christ. Then in verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of purpose of his will. Verse six, this was to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and beloved. So once again, we're blessed in Christ in him in Christ. We have the redemp- redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and on earth. And I asked the students the question: So, what did you do there? <laughs> and it, it, it's pretty, pretty eye-opening. So God's doing all that, Amen. all that work, Amen. and and that's what that's why God's sovereignty and salvation is so important. Is because if God didn't do that work, none of that could be mine. I would not be blessed in Christ. I would not be chosen. I would not uh, be adopted. I would not have grace lavished upon me. If God didn't move, I would just get what I deserve, which is, which is justice.
2: And he's Amen. not obligated to do so, Amen. right? Like, yeah. and, I, and I think honestly, our misconception on the sovereignty of God has made, and I know, I know how difficult this is gonna to be to hear, but I honestly believe that is where free will has become an, all, uh, an idol, honestly. Because we look at what the scripture says, look at John one, 12 and 13. It just makes it clear, not just here in many other places, but it says, but to all that did receive him who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And how were they born? Pay attention to this. How were they born again? Not of blood. You know, it wasn't, wasn't the singleton name or the, or the family you know, that you were born into. It wasn't uh, the will of your flesh or the will of man. It was not by your will. Your will did not get you in. You were not freely uh, moving, or did you cause God by your own will to regenerate you? This was a working of God acting alone sovereignly, opening up your eyes to the truth of the gospel. And the beauty of when our eyes are opened is when we see our sin, we are destroyed by the law. We're broken we are undone by our wretchedness but the beautiful thing is in an instant we are then pointed to jesus and we see him as a perfect savior the one who came to us the one who came to the lost sheep the one who swept the house for the coin and the one who brought us home safely and all of heaven rejoices when he wins his children to himself
0: Amen. Amen. gentlemen i'm going to stop us right there for this episode uh, we have covered a lot, and I feel like there's still a lot more to go. And so just to recap really quickly, we've, we began talking about God's sovereignty over his creation, and we've just kind of gone through or started or got maybe halfway through God's sovereignty over salvation. Um, so we're going to call this episode 7A, and we will pick back up with episode 7B next week. So again, thank you for joining us today on the EC podcast. If you do not have a church family, you can join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. If you're outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing church for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.